Hello, and thanks for tuning in to another episode of Who Knew in the Moment, the podcast. Today, I'm honored to have Jillian Tedesco on. Jillian's story is one of going from employee to business owner to realizing that that wasn't the right business partnership to then founding a second business and having great success. And she's gonna explain a lot about how to scale your business today, but more importantly, how to overcome obstacles in pursuit of success. Thanks so much for tuning in. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Who Knew in the Moment, the podcast. Today, I'm honored to have Jillian Tedesco with us, and she is the founder and CEO of uh, Fit Flavors, and there are two things that really stick out when you hear hear Jillian's story, and you're going to enjoy it today. Uh, One is, it doesn't matter how, she's just going to figure that out, Um, and then two is... uh, I, I think we'll spend some time on her relationship with her faith and uh, how that has really transformed and has become a very important piece to her overall story. So Jillian, thanks so much for being on today. Awesome. I'm ready to go. I love it. So growing up, you were into athletics, specifically softball. Talk a little bit about some of the life lessons that you that a person is able to learn while playing athletics. Man, I I just think there's so much value in playing on a team because I've been on many different teams where I was the best player and then I was not the best player. Not that I was bad, but the team, we were so good. Um, And I was the youngest girl on the team. So I felt like I had to work extra hard uh, just to get the respect of the older girls. Um, I played varsity my freshman year. That was another example of just... um, having to do all the extra work, run the fastest, uh, have the best attitude, all those kind of things. But I specifically remember something growing up. Um, actually my dad, you know, I, I realized this stuff now, like when I was a kid, this never like registered to me, but when I was a kid, my dad used to take me to like a field and we do practice on our own, um, after practice or on the weekends. And he used to have this like five gallon, like Home Depot bucket full of golf balls. And he would pitch them to me and he would hit them at me. And he's like, if you catch a golf ball, you can catch a softball. Like, and, that was, um, and he'd be like, okay, get down on your knees and, and I'm going to hit these balls at you. Okay. Put your hand behind your back and just use your bare hand. And I mean, like my dad would hit golf balls at me with a metal bat and he got me a mouth guard and he's like, we'll just get you a mouth <laughs> in case it hits you in the mouth. We'll knock your teeth out. And like, I played third base and, and shortstop. So like I could ground balls and, um, he'd also pitch them to me because, um, I, I was like, I was typically like the number one or number two batter. I was never a big power hitter. Um, yeah. but I could, uh, switch hit slap, bunt, drag, bunt, any kind of bunt, like yeah. get on base. That was my deal. And, uh, he, I could, I was just practice with golf balls. So the softballs were these big, huge neon yellow watermelons coming in at me, but, um, you know, just putting in the work, um, outside of the work that's expected of you is yeah. something instilling at me in such a young age. And I realized then I was alone. Uh, there was another girls out there practicing with me. Um, But what I was doing was I was like establishing this confidence within myself because I knew I had the skills. Um, I was actually so skillful in high school. Like, I mean, my high school team, like I just felt like an oddball because I was so much better than a lot of the older girls. So that's why I played on the select teams where I was the youngest and I, uh, I had uh, these girls were the best girls from all over the high school. So that was the fun, fun um, team that I was on, but those habits And like lessons that I learned with, with playing softball, I believe I took, and I still implement today is like, you do a lot of extra work when nobody's looking. Um, Mm -hmm. That's what really is going to get you ahead and uh, give you the confidence that you need to believe in yourself. Yeah, that's phenomenal. Might, might, you know, have child protective services called today. But other than that, it definitely does teach us a lot of good lessons. And yeah, to your point, it probably started, uh, you know, segmenting or giving you that idea that yes, this is a way that you do life. It's not just for the athletic uh, event. So you end up senior year, it's kind of a big year, you know, you're with all your friends and people and you guys end up moving and that transitions you from a decent sized high school to a really large high school. And that starts changing a little bit about what you're into athletically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, 
I, I did play, you know, volleyball and basketball as well. And when I got to the big school, it was a lot more competitive. I remember playing basketball and basically not playing as a senior. And there were sophomores that were bigger and taller than me who would start. And I mean, rightfully so they were so good. And, um, I just remember thinking like, holy cow, like I am a, a, a small fish in a really big sea right now. And, um, I just honed in on softball and focused on that. And that's where, you know, I, I, I was really good. I actually got a scholarship, um, my senior year, but I, I was just, I was done with softball. I kind of got in a slump my senior year and I had played so much competitive ball for so long. I was kind of curious what it would be like to get out in the workforce and yeah. not college. And that's kind of what deterred me from accepting the scholarship. Absolutely. And so instead of accepting the scholarship, which I'm sure that's a tough decision to make, you get your certified trainer. Yeah. I, I was like, okay, I'm going to start working out over the summer. I, I went to the YMCA um, up the street and I remember picking up the dumbbells and doing my first set of walking lunges. And I was like, oh my gosh, I love this. I think I'm <laughs> a personal trainer. Like I, this is what I want to do. And I, I, it was literally a decision I made like right away. And <clears throat> I signed up to get certified at, I believe the end of the summer. And by September, my freshman year in college, I was already a certified personal trainer. So I started working at the rec center at college. And then I got a job just like at like a mom and pop family owned gym in town, just working the front desk. I wasn't training there because I was 19. The guy was like, you got to work the front desk. You're not old enough to train yet. So he was probably smart. He was like, (laughs) not yet. Well, you may be the only person to ever say that I did walking lunges and fell in love. I, I, yeah. <laughs> I typically not super enthusiastic about seeing that on my workout, but hey, I'm glad you were. Uh-huh. So as you're working there, you get an opportunity to move down to Miami. Yep. And is that where you first get the opportunity to do training? Uh, well, I was training a little bit at the rec center okay. um, and I was leading classes and doing very little one-on-one, but yes, I, the mom and pop gym I was working at, the owner also had a gym in Miami and I don't know why he had came up, tried to launch something in uh, where I was at was Murfreesboro, Tennessee at the time. And since I moved there my senior year, I did not like the South. I came from Ohio and the first opportunity I got to get out of there, I took it. So I dropped out of college and I moved to Miami, Florida. And he's like, if you can help run the gym for me, you can train anyone there. Um, You can just run your own personal training business. And that's exactly what I did. So I moved down there at 19 and I started training. So let's talk about this because that's a uh, pretty big decision at a relatively young age. And I'm sure not everyone involved uh, was on the same line. So talk a little bit about, you know, was there anyone in your circle that was like, Julian, what, what are we doing right now? Like just, you know, stay the course. And how did you listen to what they were telling you. And at the same time, you know, move forward and make your own choice. You know, it's unfortunate, like being there, I didn't have a ton of really good friends Mm. because I had only went one year of high school and, you know, I had, I guess you could call it surface friends, like friends that I just become friends with, but they weren't like deep rooted friendships. And, um, I, you know, my mom and dad weren't going to stop me from doing whatever I wanted to do, but, uh, I, I just, I was just ready to get out and try something new. So I just took a leap of faith and I went down there. I, the guy who I was working for was very like positive and he wanted me to go down there and he knew I was a good worker. So he's just yeah. like, go do your thing. And that's exactly what I did. I, I, I don't even regret dropping out of school because I knew if I wanted to be a personal trainer, I was like, I don't have to get a degree in training. I'm already certified. Right. So I took upon myself to get two more additional certifications just to well round out my, my business. So I got certified through nutrition and then also as an exercise therapist, which is um, specializing in like post um, surgery or therapy. Okay. I, yeah. I could then train them as a personal trainer and understand what they had gone through. And I'm sure that gives a big confidence boost, right? Yeah. Just education is huge. When you take ownership of your education and you learn um, again, that's just clarifying your why and giving you more confidence in what you need to do because you're educated. Absolutely. Now you, you weren't just like training, you had really engulfed yourself in the whole aspect that is training, right? The, 
strict regimen of eating, the strict yeah. regimen of working out and things like that. So talk about that because that's a relatively short time to just fully submerge yourself in that. Yeah. And I guess, I mean, God, I don't, I don't think of myself as like an all or nothing kind of person. I, I actually don't. But at that time, I really did. I, I was like, look, I want to be successful. I don't want to fall on my face at 19. I know mom and dad are not here to, to save me if I need them. Um, so, you know, I, I went all in and like a part of wanting to become a trainer was I really wanted to become healthy and get myself as physically fit as I could. And um, at the time, so here's the kicker, I was dating uh, a bodybuilder. And that's really um, was kind of like the leading factor that really can kind of confuse me in the beginning was because I thought contest prep dieting was health. Yeah. And, you know, I was just a little misled. And at that time, I, I hadn't, I was learning about nutrition. Um, but I hadn't, I hadn't had a full understanding, nor did I have any experience then. Yeah. So I was easily taking on the habits that he was living and thinking that was normal. And that's how I was going to become fit. But what it was doing over time, over one to two years was, was really affecting my mindset and my relationship with food and nutrition as a whole. And, um, I, it, it took me a while to figure that out until I realized, you know, like I'm not happy eating like this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It can be very strict, right? Very strict, very strict. I think I, I gave up drinking when I was 19. Like I was like, oh, I'm never drinking again. I just cut out alcohol and got very, very diligent with my workouts, my regimen, everything was to the T. Absolutely. Yeah. So as you're in Miami, you're gaining a lot of experience and then the opportunity to come, I guess, back towards the Midwest into St. Louis happens. So talk a little bit about that transition and moving again, because once again, you've moved, but four different times in two yeah. years at this point. It was a lot of moving. It really was a lot of moving. And at that point, I really wasn't scared. Um, I actually almost went to Las Vegas. I was just like, I'm not going back to Murfreesboro. And I had really no reason to go back to Ohio. Yeah. Uh, and my boyfriend at the time was like, I have friends in St. Louis. I was like, great, let's go there. That sounds good. <laughs> I literally was just like that, backed up our car and we moved. The reason we left Miami was because uh, the guy who had been running the gym finally got down there. He's like, you guys don't need to run this anymore. If you want to stay here, you're more than welcome to. We were kind of on the outs anyways on our relationship. And I don't know if it was like one step to try to keep the relationship going. We made a move like it was going to create a new positive starter right. Thing. But uh, we moved up here and I, I quickly got rooted into the fitness industry, um, working at gyms up here. And him and I actually split up about a year later. Absolutely. So as you're working at a gym up here in St. Louis, you start realizing that maybe I wouldn't run the gym the same way. And okay. yeah, and, and when you have that catalyst of a moment of running a gym and you wouldn't necessarily run it the same way you can either continue to do that and just be a little bit frustrated or you can decide, well, maybe I'll do my own thing. Yeah. So I was, I was, I was working at a studio that I had pretty much launched a, like a lifestyle weight loss program uh, where I was managing people's nutrition. I was doing nutritional coaching with them per se, kind of explaining to them how nutrition worked in the body, like giving them some science yeah. um, and then it's like helping them like create grocery lists and recipes. And this is where my love for food started to really blossom. Um, I realized, oh my gosh, food is really what changes someone's physique more so than fitness. Fitness is yeah. great. It forms you up, but like if you're wanting to lose LBs, sustain like a healthy lifestyle, you can really manage that with your nutrition. So I just, I got more and more involved with nutrition. I spent a lot of time researching and reading and just a lot of trial error on myself. That's when I started to realize, you know, I really need to change my nutrition because I'm, I'm eliminating a lot of really good things. And I was at the time hooked on a lot of artificial sweeteners because I wasn't eating a lot of carbohydrates, you know, I was doing right. a thing. So I would excessively eat sugar-free this sugar-free that Red Bull jello. I'd shoot a pack of gum a day. I mean, it was, it was not what you would think healthy is, but at the time I was like, Oh, you know, I'm just, I'm eating less calories. Uh, but as I, as I read more science, I realized, Oh my God, I have got to change what I'm doing. Um, yeah. but at the time I was, Program and um, the business wasn't really ran as ethical as it should be. Let's just say, and me and another guy there were like, "Hey, let's do our own thing." So I, we left. We opened our own personal training studio. I was 22 when we opened, and um, that was my first stab at business. 
Well, why not? You know, you're 22. There's a not yes. low risk environment, right? I was very confident. I had ran this weight loss program for a couple of years. I was very successful. Um, I had already moved around. I was, I ran that gym in Miami. I was not scared to take a, a chance at it. I just didn't know anything about business, nor did I know the person very well that I went into business with, which was pretty stupid. I mean, it was flat out dumb that I did that. But in, you know, in hindsight, in hindsight, yes. You live and you learn. And um, I actually stayed there for three years. And then him and I just had a really bad falling out. Um, I had a falling out with my partner. And on my 25th birthday is when I walked out of my business. Yes. So there's obviously a lot of story we could go into on that. But I think that being said, that is a moment where all of a sudden a faith life could start for you. Mm -hmm. And you talked about, you know, there are a lot of just random moments that start adding up after you're willing to be at the lowest point and you make a prayer and you say, Hey, if you're real, help me out. So talk yeah. a little bit about that and just some of the, the yeah. random events that then uh, transition from there. Okay. So basically after I lost the business, I really felt like a failure. It was a yeah. big ego check for me, you know, I had been doing so well at such a young age and, um, I think I hid behind this facade that I had a business and I was really happy and successful, but I really, I really wasn't monetizing it. It wasn't like I was making money when I had my own place. We had just not figured it out. So I did it for several years and I did not make money. And when I had left, there was that weighing on me. And then also the fact that I didn't have it anymore. And I had just walked away from it. Um, it, it was a toxic environment. Him and I did not have a good relationship. And, um, it just, everything felt, I had so much resentment towards him, a lot of, a lot of guilt and then the failure and then just the ego crush. So mm. I started to have anxiety and I, I'd never had anxiety before in my life. And if you or anybody has ever felt anxiety, it is awful feeling. It's a real thing. And it started to attack me every night when I would go to sleep, like I would try to lay down and go to bed and I couldn't get up. I couldn't sleep because of my heart would be racing. I feel like something was sitting on my chest and I couldn't breathe. And today I realized I was just worrying and I had yeah. so much fear around Jillian, what are you doing with your life? You're nothing. You are adding no value to society. Um, you know, you're so confident, but yet you have nothing for it. And like those voices were in my head and I worried one night so bad. I had a panic attack, legit called the hospital, thought I was having a heart attack and ended up in the hospital. Um, and that's where I said that prayer to God. I mean, I was just, I, th I think it was about two, two months after I had left my business. Okay. And I said, God, if you're real, help me. If you're real, show me like this, yeah. this isn't me. And I don't know what to do. And after that is where um, everything started to unfold for me. And it was a, the most pivotal point in my life up until then. So I was 25 at the time and um, God revealed himself to me three times, very, very clearly yep. in one week um, through an event, uh, through a person, and then through me studying the Bible and through prayer. So he'd answered a prayer. He told me that he was listening. And then the most impactful one was a woman who I didn't know who had came up to me um, at the gym. I actually started working at a, another small gym on the side, just 30 hours a week or whatever. Um, so I didn't know her. She was a member there and she, uh, she did come up to me and said, she, uh, she goes, do you, I don't know if you know me. And I said, no, I don't know you. And she said, um, you've been on my heart lately. And I'm like, who are you? And what <laughs> the heck are you talking about? And I'll never forget. She looked ghost white. She was very nervous telling me this information. She was very scared. And I just, I just remember sitting there thinking like, who are you? And then she said, um, I've been praying for you and God wanted me to tell you that everything is going to be okay. And that was it. And then I didn't see her again. And, um, that experience really kind of shook me, you know, and I, making sense of it now, I realize, you know, God uses people uh, for certain things. And for whatever reason, maybe she was supposed to give me that message. And I believe that when I was seeking God, I spent a lot of time in prayer. I'm talking like sometimes two, three, four hours a day, if my day would allow it during that time yeah. after a lot of business, just trying to figure out, get myself grounded in something. And I was, I was creating a faith and finding out who God was and what he wanted from my life. And that was an amazing time like that. Yeah. It was a very quiet time where I started to learn about peace and um, 
so what he did was he started to take the anxiety off of me mm-hmm. and started to fill me back up with peace and joy and hope. And what, what was presented to me through this practice of quiet time and prayer was I felt God gave me the nudge and said, Jillian, you know what your passion is. It's nutrition. It's yeah. food. Like go do it. And I, I, I felt like God gave me permission to start something different. And yeah. I thought, why not? You know, and I decided I was going to go back to school and I was going to go to culinary school because I just always wanted to do it, but I never could because I was always so busy working. Yeah. And I was working part-time. I was working 30 hours a week and um, I was young and single. I didn't have any family or any big responsibility. So I was like, I'm going to go back to school. And um, at the same time, I started just meal prepping a few meals for some clients uh, just cooking meals for them to help them eat better. Um, and that's literally how it started. So there's a couple of things and then we'll jump back to that, that I want to just ask you about first. And once again, not everyone that listens is a, a believer or has a strong faith life, but I think it's important to at least talk about, um, and I'm just I'm curious for you. So for you, as you're going through this, you know, kind of exploration of, you know, what is my relationship right opposed to just maybe uh i call it kind of a religion right a relationship versus a religion how do you discern between all right is this what jillian wants or is this what god's telling me i i I should be you know entering into how do you discern between that then and even now today Mm -hmm. so um god's gift to us is the holy spirit and uh you, when you're connected to the spirit, you know, (laughs) I was like, my mom always just says, you know, that, you know, that, you know, that, you know, like you just know. And I believe God met me and I, in that week that I had him and I experienced that. And then everything I had read and studied, um, told me that's what it was. And, um, sometimes I call it like a nudge. Like if you get this feeling and you, are urged to do something, but you're like, why that, that that's the spirit. And, um, I think, you know, as you pray, you stay in connection with the spirit and the spirit is good and it has all, it bears good fruit. So if you've ever heard of the fruits of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, forgiveness, goodness, um, all those things, um, anything that you're feeling that's going to create good. And God wants you to succeed. God wants you to put good in the world. He wants to bless you. Um, And all he wants you to do is be available. Um, So I believe I was making myself available. Did I think I had the best ability? Maybe not, probably not. I'm not the smartest. I'm not the best cook. I'm there's so many things I'm not the best at, but I'm available. And Mm. I believe God will use people who are willing. And if you're willing to do the work, God is going to create, um, uh, what do I want to say? Like, he's going to create a path for you and he's created a path for me. And, um, if I look back and think of like how far I've came, it's, it's crazy to think the business that I have today and, there's no, there's no way I would accept that I did this by any means. I mean, it's me and a team of people and just the grace of God creating this path for us. And, um, I think when you're connected to the spirit and you stay in tune with the spirit, he will guide you and where you're supposed to go. And he's also taught me some very valuable lessons. Um, so many times we want to go out on our own and make our own decisions, which is fine. But when you do things without, uh, God leading the way, um, you can start to go your own way and can get away from where God wants to lead you. And then a lot of times that's where I've gone and caught myself in a mistake or up shit's Creek. And then I realized that I got away from God's direction and it has been very prevalent in my business when I have steered in the wrong direction that it was without his guidance. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely well i think so someone that you and i both know vaughn he's he probably said it best because uh we were talking about well how do you know if you're supposed to do and he goes well if you have good intentions it's gonna help people and you know it's not going against what you know the bible or god would say it's probably just good to like check it out but if it's any of those three then it's probably not the right thing for you to go check out and you're like ah that's wise yeah it's interesting yeah. Well, good. Okay. So fast forwarding back to where you had kind of ended off at, uh, you know, you had started. So there's a moment at like a cookout that somebody asks you, Hey, your food's really good. Would you mind cooking for me? And it happened to be a friend. Like, yeah. 
what a moment, right? What a moment. Yeah. And who knew what that was going to transcend into, but you realize I really enjoy this. Yeah. Yeah. So this, this was um, really, it was, I think it was, it was Labor Day 2009. I had a party. Yeah. I had a friend who was like, Jillian, your food is so good. Like amazing. I would pay for this. Like I need this in my life. Like, why don't you cook me food? I will pay you to meal prep for me. And I'm like, okay, I would love to do that. Like I love to cook and I can manage your nutrition easily. Um, and then someone else at the party was like, you can do me too. Just add me in there. And so I had two people right then and there went to work on Monday, asked two of my clients who had always said, oh my God, I wish you would cook for me. I said, I'm going to start cooking. They jumped on board. I had four people I was cooking for the first week. And so I had like 30 Tupperware and I just, you know, did it that way, tried to get the Tupperware back. And it wasn't very long before I had, you know, eight, 10, 12, 15 people I was cooking for and decide to source containers. So, and, and that's really how it started. And then deciding I was going to go to school happened literally just a couple of weeks after that. Wow. So you're, I mean, you're juggling a lot at this point. How are we keeping up on everything and then still having a life for, uh, for a partner at that moment? Oh my God. I feel like that was nothing. I didn't even have kids then. I didn't even have a business then. Like I have way more on my plate now than I ever did then. Um, yeah. But you know, at the time my husband was traveling a lot for work. So I think it, it made it a little easier because he was gone a lot. He would be gone sometimes Monday through Thursday. So I would have the whole week I would train during the day. I took night school. So I was at school at night and then the weekends were, you know, plan shop, cook, package, deliver. Um, and then Jason would typically drive around in the car with me on Sundays because I made deliveries. It took me all day. Yeah. And that was our quality time. He would just hang out in the car with me. And we did that for about a year or so until he started packaging for me on Saturdays. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was going to say, you end up getting a, an, an employee a little bit uh, into the way because you, you oh, need some help. He, he's been, he calls himself zero. He calls himself, what's he call himself? Like uh zero, zero one. He's like, I was the first of the first. I love it. Yeah. That's awesome. So you start gaining a lot of traction though, right? So, you know, it's not just four people, it's 30 yeah. people, it's 60 people. And yeah, I mean, your house turns into uh, really a, a bedroom with a business in it, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. So Jason had it. We, this is a house we live in. Actually, my office I'm sitting in right now, it's got this beautiful furniture. I laugh because this used to be my storage room. Like on this back wall, there used to be huge racks and there'd be pots and pans and cases of oatmeal and containers and just 10 cans full of like tomato sauce and stuff and beans, dried beans. Um, but yeah, so I, I grew it out of here Till I had about nine refrigerators in my house. I had one in my garage, one in my kitchen and seven in this room I'm sitting in. They like went around the room. This is a pretty big size room. And I had in the middle, like a big, big table that was just like a piece of plywood from like Home Depot. And it was like four by 10. And we had it on two like horses and we would package the food on here. And then they would go right into the coolers. And I had plenty of cooler space to store all the the um, meals. It was like uh, music. I used to call it musical, musical refrigerators, like in with the, with the raw stuff in with the cook stuff out with here and like moving stuff around. And like, I would cool stuff really quickly in the freezers. <laughs> like <it> was, <laughs> oh my God. It was, it was, it was a little juggle, but I got yeah. it. All done. Yep. So as this is happening, like sometimes I think you realize you're onto something. And sometimes I think it's like, oh man, yeah. like this is when I started to realize that it probably could be a business. So what was like the, the moment where you're like, all right, this is legitimately going to become, you know, like my business. Mm -hmm. So I never really actually had that thought, I think, because I was crushed losing my last one. Um, and I literally, my husband tells me that he is Jillian, your biggest gift is you keep it stupid, simple. He's like, oh, man, you are so good at that. And it's probably just because I'm just like, that's just my personality. I don't get caught in the weeds and the details, probably because I'm not good at them. But um, so I don't, I don't think about a business. I just thought about my passion and helping people eat better and how much yeah. I love the book. So like, that was always my focus is keep the food good and give the best service and help a lot of people. It was my husband who was like, Jillian, this is taking over our home. Like you legitimately have like a business, you know, yeah. I think at the peak before we actually opened the store, I was doing almost a quarter million dollars, like just on my own managing everything. It was insane. Um, it, he, we were at my parents' house for Thanksgiving. 
I think it was 2012, no, 2011, maybe, or one of those yeah. years. And he goes, I heard about this business that's based out of Florida. They have a meal prep company and they have stores all over Houston and they sell like 30,000 meals a day. And I'm like, what? He's like, yeah. And I'm like, we should go check that out. And when I realized there was a company that was doing this with mm-hmm. stores, I was like, if we could do just a small percentage of that, like we could, we could, um, we could be successful. So that was really the, okay, let's, uh, let's do a business. That was, that was it. When I realized somebody else was doing it, I'm like, we can, we can totally do this then. Um, so that was the turning point for me. And then actually writing the business plan and deciding, okay, how are we going to do this? Because all my clients were used to working with a personal chef. I would email you the menu, you would write back to me and I would deliver it to your home, white glove service, put it in, you give me the garage code. I would come in your house, put it in your fridge and, you know, take your dog out while I was there. (laughs) Yeah, no, seriously. And I didn't Throw your laundry in the dryer. I got you. Yeah. You know, like it it was Jillian, the personal chef. Like I just had so many clients. I didn't know half of them. I'd never met them. They were referred from another doctor who worked in the office with the nurse who then referred me to a patient who then the patient worked at a dentist's office and referred me to the dentist. And it just like, it just kept going. And I was, I was delivering food everywhere. Um, so it was two, 2000 and the beginning of end of 2012, we decided we're moving out of our house. We rented a kitchen for about a, almost a year. Yeah. And we really scaled the thing when we were in the rental kitchen, because there was like a walk-in fridge and there was like actual commercial um, like equipment to use. So that's when we wrote the business plan and decided we were going to open our first brick and mortar. I love it. So two things. One is a story that I think we we can relate on. So when I was a kid growing up, I had to deliver newspapers and you talked about how you didn't have an automated payment system. So you would go collect money. And if they happened to forget to leave it in the mailbox or for not have it at that day, you'd be like, well, you know, it's an IOU, but we'll grab it next time. And I just remember being a kid and going around and yeah, you deliver the newspaper and then I always told them, hey, on the first Tuesday of the month, I'm going to swing back by and I'm going to pick up your monthly payment because I have to pay for these first and then you pay me after. And yep. oh, the amount of times that people are just like, oh, we don't we don't have it right now. It's like, well, oh, all no. right, I'll How be back. You, you did your paper route. <laughs> how old was I? Uh, so I started in fourth grade. So I don't know. How old are you when you're in fourth grade? Like 10? Yeah. Yeah. That's my husband. He did a paper route too. He tells me the stories and I'm just like, oh my gosh. Like he's <laughs> like, yeah, when it was raining, you had to stick the paper inside those plastic things. So you'd have to get up extra 25 minutes early just to stick them all, roll them up. And I'm like, oh my God. So he said he got up, I think it was like 5 30 or something before school. Oh, we we'd have people call our house, uh, my parents' house, if the newspapers weren't there by six. So it was oh, like man. Yeah. And granted, it's worked out well for me. I love getting up early, but there's no doubt that that was the basis of why I still get up early today. Oh, wow. I think it is instilled a lot of work ethic and just discipline in you yeah. in such a young age. You don't even realize how much that served you. Right. I can just serve my husband for sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's great. But the second thing that I thought was very interesting in your story is how humble you were willing to be in regards to when you found out that that business was operating down in Texas, you're like, well, opposed to me just trying to figure it out, why don't I go down there and check out the things? So the two of you head on down and, and take a take a peruse through and get to learn a lot about it. We, I just had to see it. I was like, yeah. this is crazy because like I was just doing what I love, but someone had made a business out of it. So I think it just gave me the confidence that I could do another business. And, you know, my husband was like, Jillian, this business is going to be yours. Like you're going to be making decisions. You're more mature now. Like we're going to do this together. Like I, you know, I'll be here if you have questions. Like it wasn't like in my previous business, I was only part owner and I was major, major, uh, minority owner. Like I only had 30%. So it was a still big percent. I mean, I still worked 65 hours a week. I was there all the time, but I wasn't calling the final shots. And I think that was where a lot of the disconnect happened. And I was going to be fully responsible for this, this second ship. I love it. So as you enter into the first, you know, brick and mortar store, the, it, the business does change a little bit, right? Opposed to you going, driving around, people are now coming to you and picking up, correct? Yeah. So 
so this is crazy. So if you wanted to be a client of mine, when I was a personal chef, you had to order 10 meals. I just wasn't going to drive to you for three or four meals. It just wasn't worth my time. I already had 120 deliveries we had to make. So for $40 was not worth it. You had to be, you know, spending a hundred dollars. So, um, what I did was, um, I shut down my ordering and I, I, it was just too much too fast. And not to mention I had a baby, uh, like one, two months after I opened the brick and mortar. So here I was a, a new mom, a new business owner, a new concept in St. Louis. And, um, no, I was not doing any ordering. I didn't have the infrastructure built with a website or anything. And I couldn't manually do all that while run a store and produce food, you know, five or six days a week. So yeah. it just kind of switched. And we were lucky enough that we had enough people around the area that was very excited or some of my clients did drive there. Mm -hmm. Um, but I stopped taking orders. I did lose quite a bit of people, um, because they were further away or they were so busy as busy professionals didn't have time to drive to where we were to pick up their food. Right. So, um, we, we did our business for a little over a year, well, one year, and we were able to open our second location. So it did well. And we just planned the second location. We opened it. I want to say 14, 15 months after, yeah. after we had our first store. Yep. Now, something that is interesting is every business goes through this, right? Scaling, right? Mm-hmm. What, what worked at this level won't work at this level. And you have to increase in, in all those things. And you kind of talked about, I think it was after the third store, things had been really, really profitable. And then all of a sudden you open this third one and you're like, crud, this isn't as profitable as it had been when there was two. So I guess talk a little bit about one working through that, but then two also being like the mental game of, did I make a bad choice? Was I only supposed to stay at two or, you know, was the third one, the yeah. right choice? Talk a little bit about that. Oh, man. Um, <laughs> so there's just like, with, with being a founder of something, yeah. like if you have a franchise, it's great. Cause you got a blueprint. I mean, you have a lot of responsibility, but like, you don't have to figure everything out on your own. Um, yeah. We had to figure everything out on our own. And with being like the only one in St. Louis, there was nobody else really doing it. So there was no one, there was no one to compare yourself to unless you were looking up people on how their business operated from a local level. Yeah. And, um, we went, when we had two, two locations, we had our production facility and everybody worked there. And then we would just have one or two person people working at that other store. Mm-hmm. But when we opened our third location, we needed to expand our production facility. So then our, we, we bought the bay or released the bay right next to us. Yeah. So we moved half of our production next door that created, believe it or not, a huge, um, it was, it was complicated communication. Let me just say, cause this side was doing one thing and this, we weren't all working in the same area right. anymore. So to get the flow to become functional took us about six to eight months. I mean, maybe even a year, like it just was challenging. And not to mention that I couldn't put my focus there because I was launching our new concept at the smoothie bar, which was, Hey, let's, let's have a smoothie bar when we open our third store. Yeah. Easy. No, not because <laughs> I mean, you had a fresh product there and it had to turn over and it had to be, uh, you know, we got checked by the um, health department. It wasn't just like another store selling meals. No, it had smoothies that were there. So we had to have an extra employee. I went from having 20 people to having 45 people within less than 30 days. So we increased our production team because we needed to cook more food. We moved half the team, you know, in cooking and packaging on one side. So it was just like all, no processes for that. More people, no training, new concept at the smoothie bar, no training. Um, oh yeah. I just had a second baby. Wasn't sleeping, had two infants. I had a one-year-old and a nun-year-old and like, <laughs> <laughs> there was just, was a lot. And, um, then I had all these employees and no processes, no handbook, nothing. Um, and we were overstaffing. We weren't, we weren't, purchasing food costs smart. We were just buying food. We weren't pricing stuff properly. Um, And um, it was just no processes or training in place. So those three things right there, I mean, will just swallow you alive as a human. On top of trying to have a baby and be a mother. And I was, I was running the ship and I had, you know, two infants basically. And um, 
it, it was a hard time for me. And I, I had a mental breakdown. I collapsed and I seek professional help, which got me back up out of the grave. Like I had a sleep therapist help me with my kids. I hired a personal assistant to help me just manage the day to day shit. And then I, I joined like um, an entrepreneur organization to just get me support from people who were doing bigger things. Like my friends, I couldn't talk to them about this kind of stuff. I needed support. I needed guidance. So those three things really did help me. And it took me about a year to kind of come up out of it. But when I did, my business just started to go down Mm -hmm. and we didn't have the sales. We weren't uh, recycling customers. Like we weren't, they weren't coming back. Right. bad experience or they weren't followed up with, or they weren't educated. Um, They just, we weren't nurturing people. So they would just come in like the top of the funnel and they'd fall out the bottom where now we try to keep it like a, like a a flywheel. They just keep going around. So it's like, Hey, you come in, then you eat the food. You have a great experience. We follow up, we invite you back in and it just keeps going. And we're part of your lifestyle. We didn't know any of our messaging then. So we had Mm. none of our marketing strategy in place. We we didn't even have marketing then. Like we were throwing ads in magazines and hoping that would work. Like we didn't know what we were doing. So I, we, I say I, but we, my, my, my leadership team spent the next three years trying to figure out how the fuck to run business. <laughs> really, um, we got into um, food contracts to get better contract pricing. Yeah. We figured out our labor and that we were overstaffing in certain areas. And then we um, really honed in on our training and our processes and clarifying how to run the business. And that takes time. Like it takes time to create those things and then to implement them and then have success, success with them. And then on top of that, like you have this culture in your company that you're trying to breed and it is a live thing. Anybody who runs a company understands culture and if it's not a good culture, I mean, it starts with you and you have to, you have to be there and you have right. to have good team players that are going to implement the culture all the way down through the company. And so that was something that we were trying to cultivate as well as we grew. And then, you know, it wasn't just until 2019 when we really started to see things come to fruition. Um, you know, we had labor under control. We had amazing processes. Our training was better. Um, our marketing strategy really started to make sense and our voice was consistent. Um, and we had a lot of different avenues on how we were touching the customer. And when those things started to work, people started to come back and the sales started to go up. And, you know, it really is what kind of saved the business. And then the coronavirus hit. Yeah. That's the story. Yeah. So one thing I want you to talk a little bit about is, you know, there's something to be said about having a plan, right? There is something to be said about that, but there's probably more to be said about just being willing to start, right? Like, Hey, just, just start it out. You, you can have the perfect plan, but guess what? Uh, I think it was uh, Muhammad Ali or maybe it was Mike Tyson. One of the great boxers says, you know, everyone's got a plan until you get punched in the mouth. Right. And that's like, well, now I just got to figure it out. You know, like I had this, you know, jab step and everything, but it's like, now I just got hit. So now I just, you know, I got to react. So talk a little about just being willing to start with things instead of, you know, saying, Hey, I've got to have it meticulously laid out before I'll even get going. Yeah. So it's, it's good to have a plan. Like I feel like my husband and my, my partner and, you know, my lead people, we talk about stuff, but like, it's hard to like say, Hey, let's write a five-year plan because like stuff is changing so fast with our small business. And, you know, we had to be reactionary, but like, we're always planning for growth and we're always doing what we can, but we have to be reactionary to what's going on around us. And like, um, when we set our goals this year, um, you know, we want to keep expanding, but we realized there was something that we needed to focus on internally, like on an employee level, um, before we could grow, because we knew if we continued to grow before we worked on that small thing, it was just going to exacerbate. And then it would be even harder to fix down the road. So we said, okay, let's pump the brakes. Let's fix this internal thing. No, nobody can see it from the outside. We can feel it from the inside. I know it's a ticking time bomb. So like, let's address the, I don't want to do this, fix it. And then we can move forward because we're going to have our ducks in order. And like, those are the things that I feel so good about because I'm like, I know these are the right decisions. And so um, when we do plan, I mean, we, we plan for the year, we set our goals or whatnot. And like, we didn't do that at the beginning. Like I didn't have goal meetings and leadership team meetings and 
we didn't, we didn't do those things. Like those are things that have, we've just started recently doing as we came up for air and realized, okay, our food is good. It's consistent. And now we have training in place. People can work the stores. Okay. Now let's plan at a bigger level. Like, yeah. I think it's hard to do those things when you're starting. Cause you're just, like I always said, I'm just trying to cook food and keep it on the shelves, like, and not kill anybody, you know, yeah. like, you, you want to make sure like for us, everything is about our product, mm-hmm. our product everything to us. So like at the end of the day, doesn't, I don't care how beautiful our food photography is or how good our customer service is. If the food sucks, they're not coming back. So the food quality is number one for us. That is like the engine of the business. So, and luckily it's been, it's always been my focus. It's always been my executive chef's focus. Like we, it's important. Like we have this internal channel for work for every employee to comment on. It's like, I don't know if you've ever heard of Slack. It's like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, text. So we have a channel that's called customer feedback and literally any complaint we get on food goes on that channel. So I get to see it. I get to hear every complaint. So if there's any consistency or um, any outliers or something weird, I can call a customer. I can have a meeting with my chefs about an issue. We've been able to address things as they come. So it's not like they come into the associate and then they never make them to me. They come directly to me and it's something I address weekly. And yeah. I feel like as long as I can stay grounded on that feedback that we're receiving, that that that's all I need. That is direct feedback on the product. Like, why wouldn't I listen to that? So that really guides everything we do. But um, once we got the food in order, then we can really start planning and we've been able to increase our training and um, just increase the planning as yeah. well, you know? Yeah. So. That's so good and so important to yeah have systems processes inside the business because otherwise, yeah, it, it gets going way too fast and then you get out of whack. And another thing too I've learned yeah. is like I I mean, I've got a lot of really great managers, but like if I'm honest, some of them are good at some things and some mm. of them are good at other things. And when I have a manager that can create a process and implement it and train people, like that is a gift. And that is special because not everybody can do that. It, it takes organization, a lot of details, a lot of leadership. And so what we've done is we've tried to take those people to help in other areas of the business to create more processes for the company. That's awesome. And obviously instilling confidence in them as well, right? Hey, you're valuing what I'm adding to the business, which mm-hmm. huge for many reasons, employee retention. Yeah, all that. So yeah. go oh, ahead. Yeah. Let me say one more thing no, yeah. too. Um, and you know, when I started off, like I always grew, then hired. And I guess you could say, like, I just couldn't afford to pay people mm-hmm. what, what I wanted to have an employee work for. Like, we just didn't have the means to do those things. And we weren't, we would, didn't have the margins that we have now when we started off, like, yeah. because we weren't food costing properly. We were overspending on labor. Like there were so many things we were doing wrong. And as we learned to correct those things, it opens up uh, more margin for us where now we can hire to grow. Mm-hmm. And that's an opportunity now that we have that I didn't have when I first started. So um, I think sometimes people try to hire too soon and then it, it doesn't necessarily work. Um, and you, sometimes you just have to do more jobs. Yeah. You know? I, I, I still am customer service for fit flavors. Um, we're a multi-million dollar company and I'm on call before eight after four and <laughs> Every day on the weekend. And I have been since we started customer service phone lines. I mean, until I can pay someone, I'm like, why wouldn't I do it? And plus I have direct contact with my customer and I love that. Everybody's like, oh, Jillian, we feel so bad. We should take that off to you. I'm like, it's one of my favorite things I get to do is answer the phone. But um, yeah, you know, like I'll just, I'll do it until we, we can warrant having someone, you know what I mean? Yes. I love it. Earlier, you beat me to the punch. I had asked you a question to set you up for this moment, but you beat me to the punch. And that was when I asked you about how the heck did you juggle all these different things you had going on? You go, well, gosh, I wasn't even busy then. Now I'm busy. Yeah. I mean, you know, now we had, well, in that time frame, you had what, two kiddos open three stores in three years. So, I mean, you know, kind of busy. Um, <laughs> but talking about that. So something that I've always done as a visual is, you know, people's capacity to do things. Uh, mm-hmm. is kind of like going to a buffet, right? There's the uh, little little salad plates and those are good enough to fit a certain amount of food on. Then they've got kind of like the intermediary where you might put you know, a couple of things on there and a couple other things. Then they got the really big one and then they've got the really small dessert plates. And everyone's just at a different capacity, right? What you can handle mm-hmm. you know, at that time might've been a salad plate for you, but now you're into the 
bigger one. And in five years, when we do this again, and you've got uh, 25 stores, you're going to be at the really big one, but it's always a constant like growth of your capacity. And so talk a little bit about how that's morphed for you over time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think you have to, I think you have to want to grow and you have to be okay being uncomfortable. Like if you're just scared to be uncomfortable and you want to have balance all the time, like just, I don't think you're going to grow. I mean, other people are going to pass you by. People are willing to do more work and be more uncomfortable and sacrifice. Like I think of all the things that I sacrificed with my time. Um, You know, just even when I started the business, for example, like I was 25 when I started and I gave up Friday, Saturday, and Sunday to work for four years straight every weekend. And a lot of people wouldn't want to do that. Yeah. Um, and I like when I opened the business and like I started the first brick and mortar, like nobody even saw all that that I had done before, you know, right. like th- those are just like things that you do. And like, I don't need a pat on the back. Like I probably would have never had the business if I wouldn't have done that, you know, and or even just taking the customer service calls. Like those are things like you just you got to do. You do. I mean, I'm I'm on vacation sometimes and I'll like keep it on. Like if it's a good vacation, I'll ask my team to help pick it up. And they're very awesome with taking the calls for me. But like yeah. I just I just do it. It doesn't and I hate I, sometimes it doesn't feel like work. It just feels like my life, you know, and it's it's what I'm trying to create and build. So every part of it is I'm just motivated to do it all. But and you yeah. have to have a love for it. Cause if you don't have a love for it. Like you, then you start resenting the work yep. and then, and then the passion's not there. And then, then you're not being fulfilled because the money is not always there. Like yeah. for many years, I didn't pay myself. I invested it back into the company for the growth. Obviously right. half the reason why we grew so fast is because I just would say, let's not pay me like fortunate enough to have a husband who could support me. And we decide, keep the money in the business, open another store. Like don't take a salary, pay for another build out. Okay. Yeah don't take a salary, pay for health insurance for all the employees, you know, like those are the decisions that I made early on to build um, a stable business and then create careers and a career path for people. Um, I, I, I could see ahead. Maybe I didn't have it all written down on paper, but I knew that those were the right decisions to make uh, to invest in the business for years down the road. Yeah. So thinking about that, are there days where you, uh, you miss getting to just be the chef? I still am a lot. Um, I do all the menu development for Fit Flavors. I'm I lead the menu development team. Um, just just recently, did I start having some of the other chefs in the kitchen help craft some of the menu items? Merely because I want want to spear, uh, create buy-in. Like, I yeah. come help me be a part of creating this. Like, so we have some people in the kitchen that create some of the dishes. Um, I work hand in hand with our nutrition analyst. Um, we geek out on macros and ingredients. So like every week I'm like, can you source me this? Can you source me this? Um, so I'm actually in the kitchen almost every week creating new recipes for fit flavors. And it's like, I'm constantly researching in magazines and restaurants that I attend, um, you know, flavor profiles and just experience some like different cooking techniques and combinations. And like, how can I bring this to fit flavors in like a healthy way? So no, that is, that is what I do. Um, do I miss cooking? Not, not per se. Um, yeah. When I started this, I, it's going to sound funny saying this, but like, I never envisioned myself cooking all so much. I always envisioned myself being more nutrition based. Yeah. So I do uh, the menu development and I work with our RD with the nutrition. So like I'm getting to do all the things that I'm super passionate about with fit flavors. Um, and I do get to still cook in the kitchen every week. So um, I, I still have my hands in it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, last question I have for you today. Uh, it's something that probably about four years ago was an idea that was introduced to me and uh, just profoundly changed the way that I view different things in life. And the phrase was blissful dissatisfaction. Mm-hmm. And so the idea or the concept the individual was explaining was there's a lot of people that when they hit their first goal, uh, they kind of plateau. They say, you know what? Hey, I made it, right? I, I, I opened my first store. I'm good. Like, this is where I want to stay. 
Then there's the other type of a person where it's like, well, yeah, I hit that goal, but now what's next, right? And so you never really take time to enjoy hitting a goal because you're constantly on to the next thing. And it's such a hard balancing act, right? Uh, accomplishing things and feeling satisfaction, but yet not losing the drive for more. So for mm -hmm. you in your life, how have you balanced that? Because you've accomplished so much. Uh, you're doing so many great things, yet I know there's still more to come from you. How do I balance that? Um, I think, you know, you got to be happy. Like I've definitely not been happy in, in points of this business. Like during those three years where my business struggled, um, that was the hardest time for me. I mean, that yeah. was hard than what having the anxiety, maybe because like you said, as you grow, you're, you can take more on that dinner plate or you're taking multiple dinner plates. My dinner, I had more dinner plates then than when I had lost the business and hadn't started one so that yeah. it felt so much worse. And I went through such a dark time for so long that it just beat, beat me down, but coming out of that, I'm so much stronger and keeping the business afloat through that time. Like, I mean, I look at what I had to do, um, just to make payroll with cash, like what we did to keep this business alive and what it did for my faith. Um, mm. you know, having faith and hope that it would and trusting God that he would not take me this far to let it all just un unfold to nothing. Um, you know, I, there was so many times I wanted to give up, like literally I wanted to sell the business. I thought I hate this business. And like, there were those voices in my yeah. head. And, um, you know, I just honestly started talking about this and sharing this with people because for the longest time I felt like, um, ashamed to say I wanted to sell the business at one point and that I, I hated it and I hated what it did to me and it was causing me misery. And, um, you know, that's just truth. That's just yeah. truth. Business is, it's not for the faint of heart. Um, no. but, but coming out on the other side, like probably for the first year after we came out of that, I felt like I didn't deserve the success. Like, it was like, mm. oh my God, this isn't real. This can't be real. Like, cause I had felt so bad for so long that when I started to accept it and, and embrace it, I thought, oh my God, I have got to enjoy this and enjoy this. Every, all this fruit that I've been put, like sowing these seeds to create is coming to fruition and seeing it blossom this last year through this whole pandemic and how many people's lives it's affecting because it's a convenient product that's serving them and their family and their health is just, it's so rewarding to see it come to fruition like that. But, um, in 20, um, this year, um, it was really last year, the, the summer of last year and to the beginning of this year, like I decided to take a step back and write a book. I didn't step back by working less, but like, I don't have to physically drive deliveries anymore. I'm not filling in in my, for managers anymore. Right. I'm not working my store anymore. So I was like, you know what, I'm going to create and write this book that's been on my mind for a while. So I'm finishing up editing a book right now. I'm hoping it'll come out January of 2022. Yeah. It's, it's all about owning the weight. So a lot of what we talked about, um, yeah. owning the weight in business, but more so to owning the weight in your nutrition journey. I think a lot of people want the now. Um, so I talk a little bit about my story in business. We go in depth and then I'll talk about my nutrition journey and how yeah. when you own the weight, there are steps that you need to take in the process to really get to success. Um, so just, just really, um, I think my kids too have also had made me be present more in the moment and enjoy what is going on. But like, even with this book, sometimes it feels like homework and I yeah. don't like school. Remember I dropped it out, no. <laughs> but like, I'm like, oh my God, I'm writing a book. Like I'm in the process of writing a book. I'm working with the editor, like enjoy this. So yeah. like I, every time when I get sit down to go look at the book with a bunch of red because he's edited so much like I just smile because I'm like I'm writing a book and try yeah. to enjoy the process of getting there um in the moment because once I'm there it'll be over and I'll be like I spent the last year writing and I didn't even enjoy it it felt like a drag like I, I don't have that mindset at all yeah. um and just like getting the opportunity to go in my kitchen and create new flavors for the business like I enjoy my Wednesdays it's like my creative day so I'm also trying to take a little bit of personal time for myself right now. Um, I felt like in the last, you know, probably six to eight months, I sacrificed a lot more of my personal time trying to get my podcast launched, my book mm -hmm. launched, started launching a weekly newsletter, putting a lot of content out. And um, it was like the balancing act of how do I manage that and run a company? It, it felt like I felt guilty. I was like taking time away from fit flavors, but really it's adding more value back in. So yeah. Um, 
I am enjoying, I am enjoying life right now. I am enjoying everything. Everything's going great with the business. So I call this an ebb and a flow. This is definitely one of the good flows. So I'm, I'm embracing it, enjoying it. Um, I am prepared for whatever comes our way. Um, you know, there's, I know there's going to be other seasons of life that I have to go through with this business, but my faith is strong. Um, I have a lot of confidence in our team and where we can go. So, um, I I'm ready for it. So I'm just, I am enjoying I am enjoying myself right now. I love it. I love it. Well, Jillian, thank you so much for being on today, sharing your story and a whole bunch of good nuggets. Uh, we'll include everything uh, with where, where we can find you uh, in the notes. But uh, thank you again so much. And uh, like I said, we'll have to do this again in a couple of years and uh, we'll see where the story yeah. taking us then. Awesome. Thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed Jillian's story as much as I did. I think one thing that really stood out to me is whether or not you're a person of faith. Uh, sometimes we have to hit these rock bottom moments before we're willing to entertain the idea of faith or be willing to open up and uh, ask God, hey, if you're real, just like Jillian did, uh, please help me. So have a great day. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed Jillian's story. Uh, go ahead and check out Fit Flavors and see what they're doing in the meal prep space. Have a great day.